happy to be in church tonight. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Youth, you can go ahead and be dismissed and go to the back. We're going to get straightway into the word tonight and, and get right on into it. Um, <clears throat> I want to uh, actually try to, to finish up tonight where we started Sunday. I, I never even got close to where I was supposed to get Sunday. Um, but that's all right. But we're going to start where we started Sunday morning. So Juan, put Proverbs 23 and 7 up on the screen, please. We're going to start there, and uh, just we're going to just lay that, that foundation that we had uh, Sunday morning. We're going to just kind of roll with that. Um, as you're turning there, it was song, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 23 and 7, Proverbs 23 and 7. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to move to Romans in just a second, but, but I, want to, I want to deal with this because I spent a little time on it Sunday morning, but I, I want to make sure that we get it. Um, because it's really important that we get it. If we don't get it, it's just preaching. And we've had enough of just preaching. Amen. So, for as he thinks in his heart, uh, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat, drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Next verse, verse 8. The morsel which thou hast eaten shall thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. Ver, uh, sweet words. Verse 9. Speak not of the ears of fool, in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Go back to verse 7 for me. This is painting a picture of you trying to be a blessing to someone or trying to, to, to be kind to them, trying to, to put some wisdom in them, and, and they're in turn uh, buying you a meal or trying to be a blessing to you, but they hate the fact that they're doing it. And they also hate the fact that you're trying to put wisdom into them. Now, verse 7 is really important because it, it shows, verse 7 is really one of those dissecting verses where it shows really who both people are. And it just slices and opens it up and it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, what we're, we talked about Sunday morning is the comma is in the wrong place in the translation. It's not... As he thinks in his heart, so is he. You were here, so you know that. It's for as he thinks, comma, in his heart, so is he. That's, that, that is the, the original way of saying that. Because God needs you to understand what you think on is what you will live in. Because what you think on will come out of your mouth. Now, I'm going I'm to share just some personal things. It's not a Sunday, so this stuff's not videoed. We don't, we don't put this audio out. But very <clears throat> being in the Word of Faith, which I am, and I spend a lot of time at Canaan, which I have, and I've been in a lot of Word of Faith churches uh, and go there, and, and, and when I get opportunity to minister, I minister. But what we see a lot and what we hear a lot is confession, confession, confession. Conf you got to say it right. You got to say it right. You got to confess. And, and we go to, I remember years ago, Years and years and years ago, and I'm talking about even before I was a youth pastor, that's how long ago it was, um, when we were at a church up on the lake, and <clears throat> we all went, all of us men, we went to a um, minister's conference at uh, World Changers International. For those of you who don't know World Changers International, that's Creflo Dollars Church, which I loved, enjoyed it. Um, Creflo's a great minister of the gospel. We use his stuff in the Becoming Center. But when you walk in, you've got probably five to 6,000 seats, if not more, in that dome. And an hour before service, they have this, this lady on stage, and she's extremely dynamic, and uh, she's really good at what she does. And now, in this day and time, what we have is a lot of 
what we do, opening videos and starting a service high and all that kind of stuff. Well, there, and they still do this, this to this day, is for an hour before service, she's up there leading a 1,000 people in confessions. She's taking an hour, and, she's, and the music's playing, and it's, you know, the band's behind her, and, and they know how to flow together, which for me is really cool when you see them flow together. But she will lead in confessions over the mind and over money and over your heart and over your health. And, and it'll just be an hour's worth of confessions. And then she'll, after she leads the people in about three or four confessions, she'll say, now pray in the Holy Ghost. And the whole thousand people start praying in tongues for about five minutes. And, we, and then they'll go back into these confessions. Now, those are wonderful things. You understand? But now this is what I told you Sunday morning. You can have, you can have a truth and not have the whole truth. That is the biggest issue with the word today is we get a portion just like this. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That is a great truth, but the whole truth is for as he thinks, comma, in his heart, so is he. And what's amazing is we're at this minister's conference and she's leading us in all these confessions and everybody's saying all this stuff and they do this air almost. They have church like, I think at that time they had a, uh, three Sunday mornings, a Sunday afternoon, a Friday night, a Wednesday, a Thursday, and a Monday. So they're doing, this is what they do. But then you're in the bookstore with people who grew up in this church and their conversations are nowhere near the confessions. So it becomes just church. And that is the real danger we run into, especially in the word today, is that we, we tend to think as long as we say things the right way and we do things the right way and we confess and we go and we pray and we tithe and we do all the things we're supposed to do, it's going to work out for our good. But the Bible says, for how you think, that's who you are. Now, if your only exposure to changing your thinking is here for two and a half hours a week, and the rest of the time is in Netflix or YouTube or iTunes or, or uh, Charter Cable or on the Internet or whatever it is you have. You have to understand, or, or, or my God, let's not even get into social media. If those are the things that shape how you think, then you're just a church person. You're not a spiritual person. And we've spent a lot of time in spiritual encounters, and we've never changed this is why I'm a big proponent of getting the word in you versus just laying hands on you every Sunday. Because I could take you to a 1,000 people that I grew up with uh, as far as grew up in the church. Now, I didn't grow up in church, but grew up spiritually with, and they hit the floor, and they shake, and they hook a buck, and they run. And those are fun and real, and that's, that's the real deal. But they never change because that is an encounter. That's not a mind change. That's not getting renewed in him. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all with me? All right, so let's, let's, let's do this. Let's go to Romans 5. Good Lord. What y'all been up here doing up here? Y'all got something all over my glasses. Somebody spit on my glasses. Which one of you? It had to be one of y'all three right there. They're pointing at you. All right, <laughs> Romans 5 and 12. <clears throat> Romans 5 and 12 says this, Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Now, Romans 5 and 1 says this, 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, in this same chapter that we're reading from, verse 7 says this, for scarcely, uh, 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 for scarcely for a righteous man one will die. Yet peradventure for a good man some will even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, say justified, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10, for if we, if, uh, when we were enemies... We're reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God. Say joy. You're justified. Now you're joyful through Christ, uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, verse 12, very important. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin... So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Now, let's go to John, the book of John, chapter 16. You understand in, in, in Romans what he's saying there is by one person death entered, being Adam. Then he's also saying by one person salvation entered by Jesus. So you're not in this constant battle of am I saved or am I not saved? Am I saved? Am I not saved? If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're going to have some struggles in here, but your heart's right. That's, that's the whole point. Now, John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in, uh, in me you might have peace. Say peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Stop. Now, this is... I want you to leave that up there for me. Matter of fact, let me, let me see that in the Amplified real quick. I'm fixing to kick over a cow for y'all. Y'all ready? I'm fixing to kick over some church stuff. Verse 33 in the Amplified Version says, I have told you these things so that in me you may, uh, you may have uh, perfect peace. In the world you have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. Now, that's an amazing scripture, isn't it? Go back to the King James Version. King James Version says, These things I have spoken unto you that, you might, that, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, what happens is this. We start talking about these things and, and people who, are, who aren't in Christ as far as have a completely renewed mind, they take this scripture and say some things that aren't really true. Okay, they will take this scripture and say, you know, something horrible has happened in my life. And the truth is something horrible has happened to all of us. And, and life has not been perfect. And faith is not to keep you from things. Faith is your reaction to things. But here's the thing. This scripture is often misused because it is, it's taught in such a way that these things I've spoken unto you that you might, oh, you might have some peace. You might get a little peace. You might have some peace. But in the world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We teach that as if 
Somebody has given their life to Jesus Christ and we're going to live in hell on this earth and might have a little victory here, there, and everywhere. But just, just the fact that he's going to get us through and then we're going to have a little tribulation and, and we're going to go to heaven. That is not what this says. What this says is there are some words in here that are very, very important. And it's these words. These things I have spoken unto you, word, that say these words, say, in me. You see what he's saying? This is what he's saying. He's saying, okay, Tyler is in me. Jesus said, Tyler's in me. But because Tyler's in me, he might have peace. Now, he's got to be fully in. He's got to wake up every day and, and, and proclaim, I'm in Christ today. No matter what happens to me, I'm in him. That means, that means when this tribulation of this world comes in his heart, he's still in peace. So now you've got Tyler that's in him and you've got Blake. Blake's saved, but Blake's over here on, well, you know, you know, this, you know, whatever that peace stuff, you know, we still live in this world. We've all heard those justifications. Now you've got two things that happened to two people that are very similar circumstances, his first reaction, and we play it, and I understand that, but his first reaction is, God, why'd you do this? His first reaction is, Jesus, I'm here, and I'm in you. What do I do? There's peace in that. There's peace in knowing you don't have to figure this. There's peace in knowing you don't have to blame somebody. There's peace in knowing this. And he says this, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. In me, in the world. Now for some reason, preachers are meshing those two together. But it's very clear that he says in me, in the world. In me, in the world. Now put it back up in the Amplified. Now this is what I love to see. <clears throat> I have told you these things that in me you may have, say, perfect. Perfect peace. Perfect. I love the word perfect. Perfect peace. In the world, they might as well say perfect tribulation. In the world you have tribulation. Just listen, read this list. In the world, tribulation, distress, and suffering, does that sound like anything Jesus may have died for? But yet we want to mesh that in and say that, that we're going to have this. So look, I have told you these things so that you may be in peace, that you may have perfect peace, that in, uh, in me you will have perfect peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, distress, and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. Now, we've all had things happen. Now, I'm not, I don't want you to raise your hands and try to tell me how you think about this. But think about it. When those things happened to us, which one was our reaction? Did we act in tribulation, distress, and suffering? Or did we react in courage, confidence, being undaunted and filled with joy? Because those th two things even and tragedy tell you where you are. Does this make it? I know this is really uplifting, but, but does this see where? Because what happens is we live life focused on church, but we don't learn the word. And it's the word that makes you free. Now, look, then he says, be confident, undaunted, be filled with joy. 
I have overcome the world. Well, if he's overcome the, three, the things he just listed and you're in him, what are you? You're an overcomer. Next verse in the Amplified, please. Verse 34. When Jesus had spoken these things, he raised his eyes to heaven and in prayer said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. That is how it works. That he knows he's going to the cross. He knows what's about to happen in his life. He knows all the pain he's about to go through. He knows he's about to carry every tragedy in his body that you're ever going to experience. He knows, but he says, be undaunted. Don't be stressful. Have great joy. Have peace. And then he says, the hour has come. So in the midst of my problem, in the midst of my problem, look what he says. Glorify me so that I can glorify you. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean he's trying to take something from God? No, he's, he's asking God. He's like, he's saying, give me who you are. If you give me who you are, then I can worship you in this. Y'all, I'm not telling you things won't happen. I'm not. Life is hard. Things do come up. But Jesus has come to give us a way in the midst of all that to know even in the midst of tragedy, we can have peace because if we have done everything the way he said to do it, there's not only a way of escape, but there's a way of peace. I think we spend too much time, time trying to get out of situations. I think we spend too much time trying to ask God to give us things we don't have. I think we spend too much time wanting things because we've heard people preach about it and we've not done this. Give me your glory that I can give it back. Put who you are on me so you can teach me how to worship you. Now, look, my kids will tell you I'm the guy that if we're doing something or construction-wise or whatever, and, and I'll tell them, go get me the saw and go get me this and go get me that, and, and, and we got to get started, and I'll beat them to the truck, get the stuff, and have it back because I'm just tired of waiting on them. They ain't even got started yet. Because I, I'm like, I know what I want done. I want to show you how to do it so you can do it right. And I want you to know forever how to do it. But I want you to do it my way. Well, that's exactly what God's saying here. That if you'll just stay close to me, I can put myself on you. So that when the time comes to worship, you know how to worship me the right way. See, we think worship is the right song. We think worship is emotion. We are trained to think emotion, uh, that worship is this. That's, we, we, that's what we, you know what worship is? Worship is your response to what he says to you. That's what worship is. And I'm so saddened to see most people will say, you know, the Lord was telling me, but I think. Well, you're, now you're worshiping yourself because your worship is your response to what God said. And if your response is, I think, you're worshiping but you're worshiping at your own throne. You're deciding what it is you have to say. Now, <clears throat> let's go to Ephesians. A lot of scripture tonight. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. We're going to stay in the Amplified one. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. I got some more. Hey, can I drink somebody's Zaxby's? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Ephesians 2, verse 14. For he himself, our peace, our bond of unity and harmony, has made us both Jew and Gentile one body and has broken down, destroyed, and abolished the hostile dividing wall between us. Now, Ephesians 2 and 14 is an important text. Now, put it up, uh, put it up in the King James real quick. Now, I want you all to understand how important it is to really read these scriptures. Because when you read it in the King James, it says, For he is our peace, for he has made both one and has broken down the middle wall and partition between us. Oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But what does it mean? What do those things mean? Back in the Amplified, he himself is our peace and our bond of unity who has made groups Jew and Gentile into one body, broken down the barrier of the dividing wall of spiritual antagonism between us, which means he's removed everything that should be able to tell you you can't go to God. Next verse in the Amplified, verse 15, and by abolishing his own crucified flesh, uh, in his own crucified flesh, the uh, hostility caused by the law, with its commandments contained in ordinances which is he satisfied. Jesus satisfied the law so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thereby establishing what? Peace. Now, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. Grace people will tell you we're not under the law, so the law doesn't matter. Faith people will tell you there is a standard, which is what I believe. Yes, we're under grace, but there is a standard. People who are super religious will tell you you better act right. You got to act right. You got to do right. You got to be right. You got to give right. You got to say right. Then people who just don't care think it's about works, attendance, doing, the, doing what's good. You'll meet people that never go to church. They don't know nothing about Jesus, but they'll tell you I'm a good person. Okay. What he's saying right here in verse 15, Jesus by his crucified flesh abolished all the hostility caused by the law within the commandments contained the ordinances. Jesus by his death said, I am the one sacrifice that meets all of the criteria of the Ten Commandments and all of the criteria of the law of Moses. Now, because he meets all of the criteria of the Ten Commandments and all of the criteria of the law of Moses, now you are now in him. Which means when people try to use those laws against you, they don't work. Because you're in the answer. Now, your job is to stay in the answer. There's this thing we like to call the covering or the umbrella. Basically, if you just break it down to brass taxes, it basically means God has set up an order of leadership in your life, and he's put you under leadership, and as long as you stay under that leadership and are doing what that leadership requires of you, not I'm not talking about stuff outside of the Word. I'm talking about whatever it is the, that leadership is set up, then you are under a covering, a, a prayer covering, a spiritual covering. You're doing it God's way. You're a part of a vision. But then there are those people who just think, that, that they don't have to do that. Well, I'm not under the law, so I don't have to go to church. Or I'm not under the law, I don't need to tithe. I'm not under the law, I don't... First of all, let's just deal with that tithing thing. That is the law of Abraham, not the law of Moses. 
Now all you all you are givers, so I don't have to worry about it. But tithing was preceded Moses. So when people say, I'm in the New Testament, we're in the New Testament, we don't have to tithe. You don't have to do anything. But tithing was established before Moses ever started. So if you're going to live by a covenant that's complete, it's not Abraham's. You're living in the blessing and covering of Abraham. So there's certain ways that the Abrahamic covenant works in your life, but the covenant of Moses has been complete. The covenant of Abraham is still at work. Now, uh, that's for free. Now, if you want to walk in the Abrahamic blessing, which is what Jesus speaks on you, then you have to do things the way Abraham did, which means he was obedient unto killing his own son, which is type and shadow of Jesus. He was obedient uh, on the order of Melchizedek, which is tithing and taking care of that which is spiritual. And he was also obedient to the point that he didn't waver in his faith, but he had to be almost 125,000 years old to get there, which means it takes time. But here's the thing. All of that is still in action, okay? It's the law of Moses that Jesus came to say is complete because the law of Moses was designed not to get you in trouble and for them to drag you out to the gates of the city and for them to stone you to death because you didn't bring your crop in. Or, or if you were a bad parent to take you out there and, and stone you until you, you, you're, you're gone. Or if the children were bad, if, they're, if they were, of, uh, you know, if they were in the, that tween and they're going to act a fool, you know, they would stone the kids. That's just, you know, read your Bible, it's in there. But all of those things were based on performance. You have to live up to number 10. You have to live up to seven. If, oh, you messed up on six. Jesus came to cover you in the answer to all 10. And we've missed this. It's not about we're not under the law or we're in grace. It's about being conformed to the 10 personality traits of God. We call them commandments. He says, this is who I am. I don't lie. I don't look at my neighbor's wife. I'm not trying to do something outside of the covenant. It's the, we, we, we've get, we're, we're so punishment-minded that we want to find a way around it when all we have to do is submit to Jesus, and if we stay close to him, we don't even have to worry about that because performance is not a part of it. Are y'all with me? Okay. As long as I'm making some kind of headway. Ephesians 6, 14. Stay in the Amplified. <clears throat> Ephesians 6 and 14 in the Amplified says, Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity or righteousness or moral rectitude and right standing with God. You have to be in right standing. You have to believe what is true. Now, I'm going to give you four things real quick. It's 738, and I hope to have you out of here by 745. Four things that you need to know that need to become your lifestyle when you're embracing something true, okay? Number one, listening, Lord Jesus. You need to listen. You need to listen to people around you. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to listen to wisdom. The four stages of embracing something true is, number one, you need to listen, Number two, you need to hear. Those are two very different things. My wife will tell me, I, I, I realize you're listening, but do you hear me? You know, because I'm like, yeah. Because well, <laughs> we've learned to have background noise. 
and we, we listen to things we don't hear. So we have to listen, number one, and then we have to hear. Number three, you have to receive. Now, what is receiving? Receiving is real simple. If I, if, if <clears throat> April, uh, uh, April came in tonight before all of you got here, and she brought me chili. Now, let me explain something to you about this chili. This morning, uh, or yesterday, my wife calls, and she's got me on a very, I don't know if y'all can tell, she got me on a very strict diet for my blood sugar and different things in my life I have to do. It's just wisdom. So I've been eating since Christmas or since she just, she cooks, she's so wonderful. She cooks all this food and she's got stacks of meals in that freezer out there in the Becoming Center. My job is to take them out every day and eat right. Now that's wonderful. There's steaks in there, there's chicken, there's, there's Koneka sausage, there's sweet potatoes, there's English peas, there's all this wonderful food that I love. But... Sometimes you just get tired of eating the same stuff. So I said, I sure would like some chili. She goes, you, girl, you want some chili? Yeah, girl, I want some chili. She fired me up some chili. Got home last night, wasn't no chili. They put it up. So I look in there and Paige had put me a big container of chili to bring. So I'm like, yeah. So I get up this morning, 4.30, freezing outside. Van won't start. I'm already mad. Open the refrigerator. Somebody ate my chili. No, I, girl, it was, it was almost empty. Y'all just don't understand. You cannot give me a full thing and then it be here. That's like a half-eaten Big Mac. So anyway, I was so mad I would have kicked my dog if he had come downstairs. I just, I was ticked. So I'm waking her up. I'm here early and I'm waking her up, sending her crying faces. <laughs> so she comes in at, at, at 4.30, and she's got this big old pot of chili. And you know what I did? I received it. Now, let me explain something to you. I didn't just take it and walk around with it and talk about my chili. I ate it and lots of it. Now, let me explain something to you. A lot of people will receive it, church or on nights like tonight. But you just take it and you walk around and talk about it. But you got to put it in you. It's got to get deep. And bec- that chili's a part of me. Good, bad, or ugly, it's a part of a brother now. If you don't take what God's saying to you, you have to listen, you have to hear, and you have to receive. And once you start receiving, things in you begin to change. You begin to move into a place where God really wants to do this right here. That because you've now received what he's saying to you, you can stand firm. You can hold your ground. You can know what he's saying. And number four, because y'all are laughing at me, meditating. Now, meditation is not what we think it is in this world. We think meditation is getting quiet to hear something. That's not what meditation is. Meditation is thinking about what he said. See, when you meditate to hear something, you have opened your world up to some voices you don't need to be listening to. But when you know he's talked to you about something, now you're thinking on what he said. And you can get into his word and he will show you. Find somebody that knows this thing better than you and say, God said this. 
Where can I find that? Somebody can give you this. And now your job is to remember what he said and what his word says. And you're thinking on those things. And they begin to come together and you go back to that place because you're thinking on them, which is meditation. Go back to Proverbs 23 and 7. That's all fixing to make sense. As you think, comma, in your heart, so are you. So if you hear it, or you listen to it, you listen, you hear, you receive it, then you meditate on it. And as you're meditating, you know what he said. It's not a question. You're not hearing voices. You're not worshiping through strange fire. If you don't know anything about strange fire, you need to get in the Old Testament and read about what strange fire is this. Strange fire means that you get, around the, you get around in worship and you're worshiping gods that aren't God. You're listening to voices and you're so excited. Listen, have you ever been, let me, let me, I'm just going to tell you all this story and I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. We were at a place one time, they had a house meeting. We went over to a place in Birmingham, which is just a big, nice house. The lady was having a bunch of church people in there and they had a lady in there that was a prophetic lady. Uh, supposedly, and she comes around and, and she gives everybody these words. Well, she gets to this one lady and she had lost a child. And then she gives her this five-minute word. You remember this? You probably don't remember this. She gave her this five-minute word on how God stole that child. So I didn't need to get to that point to be done, but I wanted to sit around and just listen to this stupidity. And everybody's like, Alan, wasn't that amazing? And Alan's like, it's amazing y'all dumb enough to think that's God. Because that is contrary to anything he says in his word. That was a house full of strange fire. They were just seeking a word. And when you listen to me, now, because I'm Pentecostal to the bone, but if we built a church or we've ever gone to a church where it's just about the shouting and the laying on of hands, you're now entering into strange fire because you are not hearing the word. You're looking for entertainment. You have to get to a place where you know what he's saying and rightly divide it by his word. Now, we've got Pastor Tracy coming soon, and I'm pretty excited about that. And you talk about a fireball service, this is going to be one. We're going to have a good time. But let me tell you something. The reason he can do that, the reason he can flow the way he flows is because it's all about the word, every bit of it. So now, <clears throat> I'm going to say this, and then we're done. Listen which means you've got to position yourself to get to a place to know, like when we're here in the morning and we're praying, our whole job is not just to walk around and pray. It's to be able to scribble down something that he's saying to us. But let me, tell you, let me, let me explain something to you. There's no possible way to be scribbling something down that you're listening to and hearing it at the same time. That's the whole point of writing it down. So you can go back and say it to yourself. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means you're saying it to yourself. Then you receive it. Then, now it's in there. See, what we've done is we've decided we were going to meditate on something we haven't received. And if we meditate, we'll receive it. That's backwards. That's opening up familiar spirits. But we've, we've listened. He's told us something. We've written it down. We know what he's saying. This is what you want me to pray about. I'm putting it in me. It's what I'm thinking about. Now, that's the way my heart's going. I'm meditating on this. And now, peace can be mine because he spoke before they spoke. Now, I just gave y'all a bunch. I know that. But y'all are smart enough to handle it. So as a man thinks, comma, 
in his heart so easy. So if I don't do anything in this church but get this group to think on him. Listen, let me tell you something. There are going to be people in your life, and they may be parents or, or kids or aunts, uncles, friends, co-workers. They may be Christian, but they may be pulling you away with their own attitude, away from things that you know God said. That doesn't mean you get to be rebellious and rude, but bless God, you better stick with the Lord. And that comes with meditating on what he says because he will make the way. He will always make the way. Doesn't mean you have to be rude or ugly or nasty or hurt somebody, but you just trust. Stand up. Y'all stand your feet with me. Father, I thank you. Lord, I have thrown a lot out tonight, but I fully believe that everybody in this room can receive. They've listened. Now, Lord, I pray they hear. And as they hear, they begin to receive. And as they receive, they begin to meditate on it. Father, I pray for people in this room that if maybe they have stopped dreaming, maybe they've forgotten something you've promised them, maybe they just want this in their life, in their family, in their, in their heart. Maybe they just want that. Maybe they're just seeking. Maybe you've put a desire on their heart that people around them are telling them, they, you can't have that. That's not even feel. You don't need to walk in that. They, they, but they don't need to be rude to them or rebellious. They just need to be focused on you and watch you make the crooked pathway straight and watch you do amazing things. We don't have to fix our life. We just have to be in you. God, I pray for every person in this room that when we stand and receive perfect peace, doesn't mean our life's going to be perfect, doesn't mean that, that things won't happen, we won't have to deal with it, but we can be peaceful in the midst, even in our brokenness, as you're putting us back together. So God, I thank you that tonight we're thinking about what we're thinking about. We're not believing what we see. We're seeing what we believe. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all learn anything tonight? One last thing. I want to tell you this, and then uh, it's just something the Lord has spoken to me um, over the last few days. I've talked with my wife about it, and it's just something that, for me, uh, it may not mean anything to you, but it means the world to me right now. Because... <clears throat> I'm facing some things with restructuring this church. and Anytime you make moves and have to take on a little more responsibility and do things, it, it, it opens up a door for fear. And uh, fear is God going to provide. Fear is the money going to be there. Are you going to be able to do this? Is that going to happen? And this is something that's very real to me. Now, maybe this will help you, but this is very real to me. The Lord spoke to me and he said this. He said, any area of your life that you have fear is an area where you have no authority and he's given you all authority so if you have fear in any area you've allowed the enemy to decide how that's going to go for you and I've had to chew on that and I've had to receive that and I've had to meditate on that see I know he told me that and because I, I listened I wrote that down it's in my office then I read it and I looked and I heard it 
And I received it because it's what he said. And then I started meditating on it. And now the places I I was in fear, I can feel that fear beginning to break up. Because it wasn't about my authority anyway. It was about his. It's about putting him back in charge the right way. So I just want you all to know I love you. Thank you for being here tonight. I know Wednesday nights I I shotgun and I hit a lot of stuff, but it's fun for me. I don't know about you, but it's fun for me. Because I can't do this on Sunday morning because they're all like, but you guys can handle it.